This is Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 41, looking at Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 11, a.k.a. I've Got the Blues. Welcome back, Defenders, to this podcast, Defenders TV Podcast, episode 41, looking at, aka, I've Got the Blues, from Jessica Jones on Marvel Netflix. I'm one of your hosts, John. I'm Chris. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back. Well, hi. Um, (laughs) Here we are. We're on the episode after that other episode. Um, The one that that may (laughs) or may not be able to fulfill the expectations delivered by episode 10, A Thousand Cuts. Um, That might be a hint as to my views on this, Mm -hmm. but any immediate thoughts on on this episode? Um, A heavy sort of transitional episode at all, maybe? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, think at the end of this episode, I definitely wanted to watch episode 12 immediately. That's a a big cliffhanger right at the end there. yeah, I think I'm, I don't want to preview too much of my thoughts uh, just yet before we get into the episode. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, make sure if you want to share your feedback uh, about the episodes as we go, uh, you can send your feedback into feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com and make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get all of the podcasts about Jessica Jones and the other Marvel TV shows and movies that we've been covering uh, by subscribing at defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes or subscribing at any other good podcast catcher just by searching for Defenders TV Podcast. And remember, uh, join in and send in feedback, comments, or thoughts on any of the, the podcasts and anything that we've discussed, or even anything on this season of Jessica Jones, this particular episode, I've Got the Blues, or uh, any of the forthcoming Marvel TV or films. Um, just Send it into our Facebook page or group. Just search Defenders TV Podcast or on Twitter at DefendersCast. But I think with that, um, I think we can move on to this discussion on AKA I've Got the Blues. Derek, who uh, directed and wrote this episode? Uh, this episode was directed by Uta Breisvitz, I believe, would yeah. be the pronunciation. Yeah, it's slightly better. That's what we'll go for. Yeah, we'll um, go with that one. This, Uta, uh, we're sorry, he just bastardized your name. Uh, definitely, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, Breisvitz. Um, but much easier to say, this episode was written by Scott Reynolds and by Liz Friedman. Scott's written a couple episodes, I think, for Jessica Jones so far, um, and worked on Dexter and, and some other TV shows as well. Uh, but John... Do you want to tell us what we got in this episode, the episode after 1000 Cuts, a.k.a. I've Got the Blues? Yeah. With Hope Dead, the survivors of Restaurant Nika band together to hide the truth of the tragic events from the authorities, as Jessica goes in search of Kilgrave's father, whom she expects to find in the hospital morgues across New York City. All the while, Trish is increasingly suspicious of Simpson's motives as he becomes obsessed, harassing her about the whereabouts of both Kilgrave and Jessica. Malcolm and Robin's newfound connection changes the way Malcolm understands the world around him. However, as Jessica's search for Albert seems to be hitting a dead end, an unexpected dead body in one of the morgues leads to the truth about Simpson's special forces past and his red, white and blue addiction. As another red pill heightens Simpson's psychosis, his compulsion leads him on a kill mission against Kilgrave that leaves both Jessica and Trish firmly in his line of fire just as another fire ignites across Hell's Kitchen. 
I see what you did there. Yeah, man. Fire and fire and fire. Fire and fire. Dead ends. Yeah. Dead bodies. Morgs. Well done. It was, it was horrific. Oh, but with that, Chris, what is your first point? Okay, I'm going to talk about the one thing that this, the, the, the huge redeeming element of this episode for me was the fighting between Trish, between uh, Simpson and Jess. It was the three-way fighting that we've been waiting for since Daredevil. It was that level of awesomeness for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, it wasn't a corridor-like scene, yeah. but it was just the the build-up to the obviously popping of a pill, um, to the two of them kind of getting their ass whooped just before that, and then bustling out, and the two of them taking over. And it was very much for me. It was that. This was the fight I've been waiting for. Right. This is the super-powered uh, Jessica going toe-to-toe with a super-powered Simpson and then also a super-powered Hellcat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, it could be the origin there. Anyway, mm-hmm. we'll get to that later. But for me, it was just it was fantastic. There, there was a lot more martial arts in Daredevil, yeah. and we were expecting that. It was more kind of block, punch, kick, block, punch, kick. This was dirty... More streets, yeah. more kind of Hell's Kitchen fighting that we'd expect from Jessica Jones. Or a Hell's Kitchen fighting. Uh, <laughs> see what you did there. Those episodes, people. Um, but no, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the, the way they, they they showed it and the build-up to the scene where Trish is inside and then bites down on the capsule. Mm-hmm. And it was just fantastic. Now, I have a bit of niggly bits, but we can get to them later. Okay. But, uh, and I think I, yeah, I had a bit, a few niggly bits, but overall I thought it was just very, it was a great way to, to close out Trish's Krav Maga fighting. Right. So that she wasn't this useless friend who couldn't go toe to toe most of the friend. Cause you remember there was a scene where she was, Oh, woe is me. I can't, yeah. I get stunned straight away. And then this was like, no. Now that it was fantastic where she stopped breathing. I thought that was great because I thought they wouldn't, they'd hold off on that yeah. for a couple more minutes or at least until the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they're just literally a few minutes in. Boom, yeah. Then drops. drops. Yeah. But yeah. That was, has to be my first one to yeah. talk about. Yeah, definitely. Really, really enjoyed this fight scene. Very visceral, very, uh, very dangerous. There was definitely a couple of moments when Simpson picks up uh, Jessica and throws her across the room into a bookshelf and, it looks like snaps her back in, in my yeah. head. If if she wasn't super powered, I presume he would have snapped her back. I was I was cringing at some of the at the sight of that and and worrying about my own body if it was happening to me. I, I presume she's not going to be using that office for very much longer. Yeah. I don't think everything in the office is destroyed throughout this episode. I think she's lost her tenancy after yeah. this fight. Her deposit more yeah, and deposit, yeah. yeah. And is probably about to get sued by Wilson Fisk Property <laughs> Incorporated. I don't know. Um, I did have to laugh when the uh, when the window of the door was smashed again. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that, absolutely. Like this was my favorite part of this uh, episode. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, I love the fact it had, as you said, Chris. You know, potentially the birth of Hellcat here. You know, maybe there will be side effects that persist after she's taken that that red pill that really heightens um, her abilities, um, her fighting abilities after this. I love that. But I loved how she just came in with the fire extinguisher uh, right at the start. You know, despite everything, you know, she's been getting increasingly wary of Simpson. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the fact Simpson 
chuck Jessica straight through a wall. I mean, that was just like, wow. Yeah. Um, and then just like his own special forces training where, ah, your ribs are, are hurt. And he just goes in kicking, like completely brutal. Um, he's absolutely completely frenzied, unhinged. But this to me was a really, really great, um, fight scene as well. I, I loved sort of where they're locking themselves in the, in the bathroom, you've got the his Johnny moment as he's like smashing through the panels, mm-hmm. you know, and just really good. And Trish takes one for the team, quite literally, yeah. um, in taking a red pill. Yeah, I think he actually says you need the blue pills. You know, he still obviously has feelings for her, but you need to take the blue pills. He chucks them away. Um and obviously that leads to her lungs collapsing or not being able to breathe or whatever yeah. after that. Really good scene. Loved it. Yeah. Proper high-octane adrenaline fight scene. It's amazing how many fights you can end with a refrigerator to the head, apparently. <laughs> it was just, And also the refrigerator wasn't fully touching him uh-huh. once it was lying slightly down. He was kind of half under it, but he wasn't fully being crushed by it. Yeah, yeah. Because it was held off for the while. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you just like... It was just like pinning just in case. Yes, exactly, exactly. Just in case he was he was about to get up. Yeah, yeah. Really loved the scene and uh, and loved Trisha's reaction to taking the red pill. It's, it was my point. Just her reaction to it is: is this how you feel all the time, Jessica? I'm so pumped. I'm so yeah, pumped. Yeah, that was it's cool. Great, really, really cool. Um, it was difficult to find the name of the episode in uh, in here. We usually see the names of the episode are called out quite specifically. We saw it in a thousand cuts, very uh, very uh, signposted, very heavily, I suppose, in that episode. Uh, in this one, I think you mentioned it, John. It's, it is where uh, where Simpson says, "I've got the blues." I thought it was going to be about poor Jessica being all depressed yeah, throughout the too. episode, but no, it's about him having the blue pills. Uh, so I was kind of waiting for Jessica to say, "I've got the blues," but uh, but no, in this, it's uh, it's it's Simpson's call. Yeah, and I'm just going to call out one thing that kind of made me question what Jessica was thinking: is we hear the blue pills being thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm throwing them out the window, I believe. Yeah. And then when Trish stops breathing, you'd think a superpowered person would just run over, jump out the window, yeah. jump back up, grab the pills, jump back up and give the pill. No, 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 no. I'm going to call an ambulance. And then I was like, ah. Yes. Okay, I'm going to suspend the disbelief. It was too good. I suspended disbelief. I yeah. just went, yeah, it's grand. <laughs> Makes more better viewing. Because I, I, I was wondering genuinely if Trish has taken pills that the doctors have no idea what the pills are and that Jessica can't explain what the pills are, will they be able to fix her? Will they be able to cure her uh, of whatever that has been inflicted yeah. on her if they don't have the blue pills kind of thing? Yeah, so I, I did see that. I did notice that, that she didn't go out and collect them. Yeah, because I thought the blue pills had gotten lodged in the aircon uh, fan because mm. it was chucked that way. But I, I liked how as well... It fed really nicely the whole ambulance scene into all the flashbacks where you see them growing up together as kids after Jessica's accident. You see all that interaction. And so this, I mean, at one point, given what happened in the last episode, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, she's going to die, isn't she? Because of the same thing. There is no cure for what the red pill is because there's no such thing known in mainstream regular medicine so i was like she's gonna die so that was a really nice kind of touch i thought because again it felt a bit like the end of a journey about to happen with trish and i'm glad that she stayed there and i'm glad that hopefully this is the birth of hellcat as well yeah yeah definitely 
John, do you want to give us your first point? Yeah, well, that was one of my points, but I think one of my other ones was uh, Malcolm's epiphany, actually. Mm. Uh, I loved, um, I mean, it's slightly depressing epiphany, nonetheless, but and it links in with Robin and possibly her typhoid Murray um, abilities, if that is the case. And I know I'd mentioned about her possibly picking up the virus off Kilgrave from the last episode. But here we have Robin altering or changing Malcolm's interpretation of the world. His outlook, yeah. His outlook, which ultimately then saves his life. And I kind of really like that because, again, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, this guy's going to walk down the corridor. There's two special ops people there with uh, Kaslov. He's going to get killed. Here's another one. (laughs) This is like the domino run happening. It is like they're all falling. And I like that there was that moment of consideration of doing that. You could see that he wanted to, but in the end, he took the sensible route. He sees the broken window. He sees the torch lights and goes, you know, maybe I slink in here for five minutes and go and have a look at it maybe later on. Mm. And I just wondered whether all of that is epiphany of, of Malcolm's, but as well, to what extent is maybe Robin helped influence him she obviously has done because she's she's put that seed uh in his mind that that everyone's an asshole (laughs) essentially (laughs) and that's why it's slightly depressing and i mean it was also depressing hearing him say so you mean everything that my father did and what my mother taught me is kind of is no longer true Mm. i mean it's a bit black and white quite frankly but um i like that Robin's essential premise, which is, look, you just need to take some things with a pinch of salt. Not everyone is on your level with your motives. And I like that he took that on board. And in this case, it saved his life, even though it's quite a depressing thought from Robin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was wondering after this scene, when he uh, when he turns to go back into the apartment, I was wondering if he was going to possibly turn back to drugs. Um, would he now be proving that Kilgrave was right, that he was a junkie and that, you know, if you're, if you're a person that's a relatively positive, positive person who's been using that to keep away from the drugs, uh, for the last couple episodes, uh, he's been working with other people and, and depending on other people like Jessica and like the support group, they've all turned their backs on him now. And it's just been confirmed by Robin that the whole world is full of people like that who don't care for him. I wonder is this what's going to push him back over the edge again and, and whether it's going to prove that Kilgrave was right that he just he was a junkie just in waiting. That's a real that's a really interesting point because I do think that one of the things like when Robin and him are having that conversation out in the street mm. he the way he takes it on board is that he can't accept it. Like what she's saying is way too sort of depressing mm. for him to be able to accept. And then at that moment in the corridor something clicks or he takes on board part of it or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's like he doesn't want to accept it. And if he's accepted it, then it might just be too much. Uh, but And maybe he just comes down after that. Yeah, yeah potentially, potentially. Um, no, my kind of two cents on that was I'm glad that they limited the amount of time for Robin. <laughs> I, I'm still not big on the character. I now know... They they used her for a plot point in the last episode, mm-hmm. and I still, if it is the birth of Typhoid Mary, that would be fantastic. 
because it would explain more why they're trying to build her up. But they limited her in this. I can see, obviously, the hating mel- mel- mental illness lends, lends more credence mm-hmm. to the thought that she might be uh, another re- returning character or villain in Typhoid Mary. Um, I think what, what they did here was they got the balance right. She's not well built as a character backstory, that kind of thing. She's very two-dimensional at this point. Um, but they used her to push Malcolm in the right, in the direction where this will, in the next two mm. hours, this is going to lead to some kind of either, as we saw, an epiphany of some kind where, okay, he's not going to do, I'll constantly jump in and save Jeff, Jessica, mm-hmm. help Jessica all the time. Or will this lead down a darker path for the character? Yeah. And I think that's what Robin has become at this point. She is a plus. I think she's a catalyst, I think. Yes, than exactly. Just a plot device. I, th- I do like the character. Um, I, I kind of liked her from the start. I thought she was not used enough, uh, which is probably the reason why she's fallen into the background quite considerably. Uh, I do like how she's used in this episode because I think that scene is it's pretty heartbreaking because Malcolm, we saw him as a junkie to begin with. We saw him turn around and you see him even in this episode helping Jessica the way that Jessica used to help him when he was falling in home. You see him helping her the same way. And now just because of this conversation with Robin, um, which is a really important one, you see him starting, I think you see him starting to give up a little bit on that new life that he found for himself, um, which is a really tough thing. I I like that they've used Robin for that. Uh, She's the only character that could have done it. There's nobody else that he's in contact with that would have that kind of influence over over him or has gone through the stuff that he's gone through uh, over the last 10 episodes, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. And she is a good catalyst. Mm -hmm. She is the right character to do it. But as you said, we haven't seen much of her. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel this two-dimensional hate hate dislike right. for the character because it's very as I said too, it's very black or white mm-hmm. and that's the issue now if they there's probably there could be some cut edit, re, editing room scenes where she's in it a bit more across the other previous episodes and then it just didn't work for those episodes but because of that when we get her in the last episode in this episode coming out she doesn't seem the, the right person almost now, historically she is, because mm-hmm. she's the only person with the back background for Malcolm. But if they had built her up a bit more, then we would have been in a better position to go, oh, I understand her side of things now yeah. more. Yeah. And I think that's just the only, the, my only bad tick, if you want to call it that, or my, my decision, unlike, dislike, right. for the use of that scene. Right. right. Uh, again, it was great, though, because... Although I did kind of want to see Malcolm go in and the, aside from the great cliffhanger we got in this episode, mm-hmm. that would have been another good one with just Malcolm opening the door to the apartment. Ooh, well, yeah. Because yeah. that would have been, oh, okay, he's going to die, he's not going to die. But, yeah. uh, because you could see Malcolm being taken by that mysterious shadow organization mm-hmm. and he could become brainwashed and another super soldier and right. then that would be good. Malcolm versus <laughs> creating, Jessica season creating two. Creating super powered individuals yeah. all over the place. Uh, kind of leads me to my first point um, which is really just about how the tenterhooks or the tinterhooks that I was on for this entire episode because of episode 10 where so many characters died. I think you kind of mentioned this as well, John. It felt like every single character in this show is in peril now. Um, every character feels like they could be disposed of at any second. There could be a bullet to the head from Simpson walking past them. There could be, uh, as you say, Malcolm walking into Jessica's office being taken out by the shadowy organization. 
I don't know, Robin could get hit by a bus, um, Jessica got knocked down in this episode. It feels like almost every character could die at any at any point. The fact that nobody does by the end of the episode makes this episode feel like a little bit of almost a letdown or just feels like something didn't happen that could have happened or should have happened. So um, I think it's good writing, the fact that I'm completely on tenterhooks for that entire episode. But that, that was my first big point about it, because that going into it after episode 10 uh, made me feel really tense the whole time throughout it. Yeah, you could call, almost call it like the, a Game of Thrones-esque Possibly, kind yeah. of story arc that yeah. they've done, which is everyone is killable. Because previously in older series, TV shows, you know main characters wouldn't die. Yeah. Like, unless they suddenly got a different, the actor got a different role, you know, then they'd write him out. Mm-hmm. Or they'd replace it with the same character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, it's your twin brother who doesn't look 100% like you. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or the TV novellas where they get a plastic surgery mm-hmm. just so they can change the actor or actress. <laughs> um, but no, with this kind of Game of Thrones-esque, everyone is up for grabs. Yeah. And I agree. I think they, um, they 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 overdid it in the last couple of episodes where everyone was dying. Or especially in the last episode. Three, people, three of the main characters. Well, you could call them main and periphery mm-hmm. secondary characters died. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, when Jessica got knocked down in this episode, I was like... Oh, yeah. oh! They they're gonna bench her for a while, maybe. Yeah. Or I thought again, Trish would die. Yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. was like, that would perfect. That's that's the you kill my sister. Yeah, kind of. I moment. thought I thought Simpson was gonna take her out, and that would be the catalyst again for Jessica to go after Simpson even more than she did in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John, do you want to give us your next point? Yes, um, I'm gonna kind of. Maybe just bring the elephant uh, out of the corner of the room, um, to be honest. And big room, really. The big room that we're in. Um, and I think, Chris, you've just slightly alluded to it here. Um, it's one of those things. You have a phenomenal episode before um, this one. A lot going on. I absolutely loved it. Um, and it's a momentum thing. And it, it's kind of the... For me... The momentum just kind of got reined back and pulled back. And I, it's absolutely understandable why that would take place. But it's just that it seems like a come down on the basis of the last episode. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, it, you know, with hindsight, maybe a couple of deaths in this episode, spread them out over a, a course of them, may have been better. I still absolutely love episode 10 and defend it. Totally, uh, but it's it's got this ripple effect going on now, and, and it just means that when you're comparing other episodes to it and you're looking at it, you kind of go, "Well, it's not as like packed and action filled uh, as the other." And I think this episode, as a result, just suffers a bit from that. But there's still an awful lot that I like going on in this. But that that's just one of my points really on this that I just wanted to. Get out there up front, really, and mention. Yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of this episode being an investigation to find Kilgrave again, we've seen that a couple of times in, in other episodes, but a lot of this episode is spent with Jessica trying to find um, Kilgrave and with flashbacks. So it does feel like a, ba- a kind of a border episode between two two others. Um, there is obviously the big flashback stuff, which I think I'm going to talk about in, in my next point. Um, but... But yeah, they, they seem, it's it's a lot of the episode is spent with Jessica catching up with the knowledge that we as an audience have about everything else that went on in, in episode 10. 
Um, so yeah, it does I, I know what you mean? It does. It's, it's, it feels very transitional um, to the next episode. So yeah. I, I'm expecting something. That's not to take away sort of the storylines between Trish and, and Simpson, mm-hmm. but you know the fight scene as well. It's not to take away from anything of those. It's just that relative comparison that you have and always will do. So I just want to put that up front. I just think that's a function of watching TVs, even like with films where it's franchises and you've got sequels or trilogies or a whole host of films, you know, you start to make comparisons between those films. And mm-hmm. um, that happens less in the movie world, but more likely in, in TV. And I, I think that just as a function of that being uh, after such an amazing episode, in my view, mm-hmm. um, there's just it feels like a relative dip, even though there's an awful lot that I love about this episode. Yeah. So I, I just want to kind of say that as a as a thing. Yep, I understand that, and definitely the one of the big difficulties of covering something like a Netflix show is that a lot of people watch this with the next episode queued up and ready to go, and we're we're covering them uh, on a weekly basis, watching an episode and then and then recording about it. So um, so we don't have the experience of going directly onto the next episode which makes a difference in the fact that this is just an hour of a 13 hour film so you're watching that one hour and then talking about it afterwards so it can feel like the transition or the, the slow portion of a of that overall movie yeah I know but I think we pretty much we got this with Daredevil as well yeah yeah. around the same time yeah. we, this was the, the slow down trough before we had the big build up to the last two episodes the mm-hmm. penultimate and then the actual the, the, the finale and I think we've mentioned it before that this Netflix format does suffer from uh, they started off high and it goes up to a peak mm-hmm. and then it does trough down uh, as it slows and they expand more upon background origins blah 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 yeah. peaks again troughs again as they kind of fill in a bit more background catch up as you said the catch up of everything Jessica caught up on everything we already as an audience knew and then we'll peak again as we come into the last two and I'm assuming they will be very similar to Daredevil action filled yeah my only hope is it's not as action filled as Daredevil right in that they'll leave remember we literally got the Daredevil kingpin fight at the last 20 minutes mm-hmm. and that was basically what we saw yeah and that was it yeah. yeah so i'm assuming they learned from that yeah i'm, I'm feeling this show is the show is different enough that it generally isn't just a punch fest uh, no. which daredevil wasn't don't, don't get no. me wrong we loved daredevil obviously but um but i can't i can't see that this would end off with just jessica punching kilgrave constantly for no. an episode because so kilgrave thinking, can't fight back so. yeah <laughs> i'm thinking we've got two people Potentially, right? We've still got Simpson. Mm-hmm. He may not be completely out of the program. Right. We, he may escape again one last time and then come after. Or that could just be him gone now for the until next season yeah. or the next show or whatever. But you've still got definitely Kilgrave and Kilgrave's father. Mm-hmm. So you've got two potential. And I've been thinking about this. The, the whole reason we haven't seen the father dead yet is he's the scientist, he was working on the vaccine, mm-hmm. so either the vaccine has worked, or we've got Kilgrave going to Hammond Labs to go after the fetus. That wasn't a just kind of uh, empty point. Right. That was just a, it literally, so they used it and brought that back up in two episodes, or at this point in episode 12, it would be two episodes ago, mm-hmm. and they just, as a reminder, oh yeah, no, that was there. Now, we're going to go there and... He, 
Kilgrave's going to get a little army of Kilgrave children right. or an army of superpowered villains because then you can have the punch fest. Right. Because you're right, with Simpson slash Nuke gone, the finale has to be either more intellectual, it can't be the beat em up. Yeah, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I can see the show is definitely, I think the show is probably going to deal much more with the characters again yeah. uh, as it goes through for the last two episodes. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things as well is, well, I've got, there's two extra points on that for me. So the first point is that, as a reverse to what I've already said, is that the one thing that episode 10 does bring into episode 11, uh, I've got the blues, is you think everyone's going to die. So there is definitely heightened tension within this episode watching it. Uh, And we've already discussed that we thought Trish and uh, Malcolm we're going to snuff it in this uh, episode. But then the other aspect of it is, um, I, it was something now, because Kilgrave and his father aren't in this, and you know Jessica was expecting to find him in the, in the morgues, in one of the hospitals across New York, is that why did Kilgrave suddenly want his father alive? It must be something to do with the kid, whether he can do some form of genetics or experimentation? Is it that actually Kilgrave, um, in terms of his origin, and I don't know, I am speculating wildly here because mm. I, I don't know, is he created? Is it that his mom and dad created him? If it's a virus and you think of genetic engineering or mm. viral manipulation, have they done that and imparted that on their son and then used him as a test? Ma- we, we know he's been tested on. Yeah. His parents are researchers. Was it actually them that did the experimentation that created him? And is that why he's now keeping or wanted his dad in exchange for hope? And why, at least at this moment, he's not dead and um, that in some way he can help revive the child or impart this virus back onto his kid, raise the son. I don't know. Something like that. There's something now much bigger in my mind that might... Because Chris mentioned Hammond's uh, labs and and what's happening there, it's just one of those things that I don't know. Because I don't know enough about Kilgrave's background. I haven't, obviously... Red fully alias. So, um, from the TV show, we did hear that Kilgrave had a virus that was killing him. Mm-hmm. Parents tried to genetically engineer uh, a, cure. a cure for that and created this as a byproduct. Yeah. Or we don't know if it was a byproduct or if it just turned it on. Um, but, okay, I didn't think about this. What if Kilgrave wants his dad because he now knows Jessica's immune? So he wants him to change the virus or mutate the virus so people aren't immune. And it amps up his power. Ah, maybe. That could be so then Je- one, Jessica, because we, other than that, it's literally Jessica running up to Kilgrave, slapping him, and that's up. It's <laughs> yeah. like the ultimate bitch slap ending. She still hasn't done it, though. She did. She kicked him across the floor. So Simpson did make a very good point in this episode where he tells her, you've had 10, 20 different opportunities to kill Kilgrave. What makes... What makes you think I'm going to believe now you're going to kill him. Yeah. 
because she's had so many opportunities. She said it to him last episode. I don't care if some strangers are going to die, but she still didn't kill him. Yeah. Um, you know, she seems to not want to take that opportunity to take him out. So uh, I'm interested, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, in regards to the bringing the fetus back alive, I, I don't think that's what he's probably going to do. I say wild I speculation. Might, I think he might want to go and, and extract the virus potentially from yeah. um, from that and potentially maybe that use that to amp up his powers. That might be a, a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. That's what I mean. Wild speculation on my part. I'm not yeah. too sure. Um, I either hadn't even registered or I didn't even uh, clock ab- about the fact that he was dying. But now my memory coming back I get <laughs> and you reigniting that bit of my brain, I remember that. But it is just you know speculating what's going to happen with Hammond uh, Labs. Yeah. Does Hogarth still have uh, a part to play here that we don't know? Because she's not in this episode either. Mm -hmm. Is that the end of her story? But we only have two hours left, give or or take. There's a lot. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of loose ends Mm -hmm. that they need to tie up in two hours. And I think one of the interesting things you mentioned about Simpson as well, that's the one sympathetic feature that I had with Simpson in this whole episode was that I completely understand his rationale that you never have done anything to really stop him at this point. And that's very much in line with Robin's take, I think, certainly from the last episode uh, of Jessica is, you know, or to the group, where's your rage? You know, we need to stop this at the source. And the source is he's doing all this stuff because of Jessica Jones. Mm. Like, so it's, it's all, is she as much to blame as Kilgrave? Those two seem to think so. Definitely. Chris, what's your next point? So for me, I think we're going to end up sharing with Derek yourself and myself as this point, which was the flashbacks to Jessica and Trisha's origin. Yes. So we see, the hospital bed, and we see a very emotional. That Jessica's first tear as she comes in and out of the coma mm-hmm. after the accident. We see, um, just how abusive Trisha's mother was mm-hmm. with the cut on the arm, and it looked like a pretty deep cut. Absolutely. We see Jessica's first emergence of her powers, yeah. breaking a hairbrush, and then the marble. Which I thought the marble sink was fantastic. That's great, wasn't it? It yeah. was really good. Much, thought, much better than when it happened in Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Really good, and we saw how these two different women at that point grew to become the sisters, the best friends that they they are now. Yeah. Because it was, well, I'll hold your secret, you hold mine. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's that's it. And then we get the second flashback, which was brilliant in terms of the mother, and you could hear her being beating Trish. Yes. And then Jessica throwing her. Across the yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, I wasn't sure the mother knew when we remember we met the mother previously in one of the episodes. Uh, Dorothy, yes. Yeah. yeah. And she, Jessica alluded to her powers and how strong she was and stuff. Yeah. So I all thought it was just kind of going to be like a veiled threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, so the mother knows now how yeah. strong Jessica is. Yeah. And so it was just, it was interesting. Yeah. And for me, the point I had about the flashbacks was that the Jessica's first use of her powers were actually on Dorothy Walker. So the first actual use knowingly is on Dorothy. She breaks the hairbrush by mistake. She smashes the sink by mistake. She lifts up the marble, uh, the marble sink over her head just to kind of test what she can possibly do and how strong she is. But the first use 
an action she has is to pick up Dorothy and throw her across the room to get her away from Trish, which I think is really cool. What I also really liked about the flashback is this should essentially be the origin story of Jessica and how she got her powers and why she has the powers. She's asked by Trish, where did you get the powers? And she goes, I don't know. I just have them. And that's it. And then it moves on. And it's actually the origin of why the two of them are are sisters and why the two of them are taking care of each other. It's not an origin story of Jessica's powers. We still don't know. looks like we're never going to know. We're we're on episode 11 of the TV show, the first time all of us in the public have met the Jessica Jones character. We still don't know where she got her powers from. And they do this origin flashback now, and all it is is she has them. She had a car accident, and she has these powers, and that's kind of it. Which I love. But that's it. The seeds of their relationship here uh, are just really really good. I mean, it's... I love how they kind of come to this deal um, of, you know, I don't tell and you don't save me, says Trish to, to Jessica. I, I think that's really good. And then you see why Jessica tries to help everyone because in the next flashback, her mom, I mean, and again, this is one of my points, you really see how actually abusive uh, Trish's mother was to her because you hear her trying to make her child puke up down yeah. the toilet because yeah. she's had a slice of pizza, um, and yeah. there's the cut on her arm from and the all that. Choice Award. Yeah, from the People's Choice Award, and um, and Jessica's like, I don't care what we sort of agreed to at the last uh, the last flashback yeah. <laughs> we had. Um, it's you know she. Love it, chucking uh, Dorothy across uh, across the um, the corridor yeah. and into the land of Oz. <laughs> I know it was it was interesting for me because it was where we see Jessica emotional mm-hmm. in yeah. this the whole series. Yeah, we saw her cry in the beginning with uh, Hope. Yeah, obviously she's crying over the body there, and then in that ambulance, they use these flashbacks perfectly. To strengthen that sisterhood bond. Yeah, exactly. So when Trish is essentially dying in the ambulance and yeah. her heart stops, you feel that, oh God, they're going to kill off her sister. Yeah. And then you're going to see the tears and you see her crying. And then that that happy laugh, if you want to call it that. When they make the joke to each other and uh, Jessica kind of like leans over and hugs her. Yeah. That, that it's strengthened that yeah um and then we've also only seen jessica cry three times in the whole series mm-hmm. so flashback the ones at the beginning once at the end yeah so it's interesting yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely well that was my point as well uh john do you want to give us your next point yeah no my next point really is just how creepy simpson gets um in this episode Absolutely. and i love uh will travels um sort of switch on, on i mean we've seen him getting dodgy over the course of the last few episodes and trish getting kind of a bit sort of suspicious of him but mm-hmm. here it's like proper creepy he's hanging out again like he did right at the start when trish didn't trust him he's hanging out in her corridor yeah sat outside and again it's that kind of reflection of that same feeling she just comes out and he's um, he's just coming across as completely dodgy. And then Kozlov is sending his heavies to, to bring him back, and she sees firsthand that two bullets straight to the forehead, like proper assassin, and uh, like she's uh, completely shocked. And actually, despite that, I was still surprised then that he locked her up. I thought for some reason that not so much that he was going to kill her, it didn't look like that, but I didn't think... 
I didn't know what he was going to do, but I was surprised still that he locked her up. I, I just kind of thought he was just going to leave her, but make sure he got to Jessica on time, you know, cut her phone lines, destroy her mobile, that kind of thing, just yeah. so that uh, Trish couldn't contact Jessica. So it was that I loved um, his sort of descent into creepiness, obviously culminating in this the huge fight and and how he kind of sidles in. He has the gun pointed at the alias investigations door uh, at the start, and you're kind of going again, okay, is Jessica going to get shot here? He was genuinely going to shoot her in that scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. If it hadn't been for the neighbours coming out of coming out of their apartment, he definitely would have shot her through the door and killed her. Yeah, yeah. and it's then I really like the fact that, you know, Kazlov is back there picking him up, picking up his handiwork, you know, trying to tidy up, clean up the mess. Um, I like that he's been brought in like that and uh, it it feels like a military experiment gone wrong. It's really good. Um, I love the repeated uh, repeated sentences, the repeated phrases that he's saying at the end of a sentence, repeated words. It's really creepy. There's something really unusual about it where it's just kind of like it's a tick. That he's not in control of what he's of what he's doing and what he's saying. I am wondering. I think we mentioned it earlier on, but I am wondering if Simpson is gone now or whether he's going to come back later on in the series. Are they going to take him away and experiment on him, get him back to part of this military team now that they've got him in their control, and he comes back in season two or in Luke Cage or in Daredevil? I'm not too sure whether we're going to see him again now for the rest of the season, but I'd love to because I'm really like. I hope so. Um, I, I I do hope so um, because. I don't think his journey's finished with Trish, mm-hmm. and I suspect he might die. And if he doesn't, I hope he shows up in Daredevil uh, season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very much a Punisher esque type yeah. character. That's why they didn't call him Frank Simpson yeah. in this kind of show. Um, no, I, I really did enjoy it. And I think the, the cinematography of him taking the pill and he cracks it in his teeth yeah. and then yeah. swallows it. Yeah. That was brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the eyes The as eyes well. and the, the pu- di- dilated. Yeah. And then he spins and shoots the two other members of his team. Yeah. And that was just, that was fantastic, showing, yeah. aside from the super strength, what he has in that he's able to... His skill. His skill is amped yeah. by this. And he was, we forget, we keep calling him off Simpson, we forget he was Black Ops. Yeah. So he was this... Super army soldier, anyway. Yeah. In the this, and he got out of the program. So we have a huge backstory. We don't know why he was in the program, what the program is. Yeah, and it reminds me back to what Clemens said when just before he's shot by uh, Simpson, where he goes, "A killer with special abilities." Um, talking about Kilgrave. Yeah. But of course, and maybe that's why Simpson ultimately kills him. He recognizes a killer with special abilities in himself after taking the red pill. So I really, that was something that just kind of resonated through from um, previous episodes as well, that kind of final conversation of Clemens with him. So, yeah, yeah, I I just thought it was really good. I've I've enjoyed seeing um, Simpson's sort of dodginess getting more apparent and really in this episode you know we 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 got his transformation in the last one and this one we it 
was everyone else who got to experience his special abilities. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Really enjoying the character. Did I am I right? Did I see his his eyes went to kind of a milky grey colour at one point? There was kind of a fog over over his irises oh, at one be. point. I didn't um, catch that. That was a really a really interesting kind of one. It, it, it kind of when I saw it, it kind of struck me as kind of a fog of war thing, where he's going into battle and his eyes just glazed over completely. Fat, really interesting touches they did in this episode. I do think he's gone though. I hate to say it. Yeah, I think so now because you've got, we've got two hours left. Yeah, and we've still got Kilgrave. We've still got the Kilgrave storyline to wrap up. Yeah, so you need to do that over the two hours. Yeah, I don't know what you can do. Absolutely, explain enough. I just, to I, get him out of, he breaks out of the, the, the military prison again yeah. and then they capture him. So unless they literally do that in episode 12 yeah. and he goes after Kilgrave, Jessica goes after Simpson, Simpson goes after Kilgrave and yeah. it's like that cat and mouse bit, yeah. but that's the only thing I can think of. I just wonder if like the final scene of the show, and we haven't seen it, listeners, as, as always, just to point it out, we haven't seen the final episode, but I wonder if, if Jessica's fighting with Kilgrave and then a bullet goes through his head and that's the end of Kilgrave. I wonder if that's if that's how they use Simpson at the end, that he gets justice and Jessica doesn't. Never know. It's an I, interesting one. The only reason I don't think that's the case mm-hmm. is didn't David Tennant say he's he wants to do more Marvel? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that the character's locked up or Never alive know. or incapacitated somehow. Yeah. Until so I, he, until I see the last episode, I, I I'm not sure whether anything these guys who are interviewed about their participation in future shows. I'm yes. not sure what they're going to say. <laughs> no, that's true. That's um, very true. But Chris, do you have a final point? Yeah. So my final point is kind of a bit of a fangirly fanboy piece. <laughs> hey. Is that we got to see uh, Trish Patsy Walker's redhead wig? Yes, we did in the yeah. flashback and the Patsy theme tune. Yeah, on playing on the TV. hospital TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, which and was Jessica great. singing it. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was um, the redhead wig. Obviously, links me back to her Hellcat kind of potential. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, and it, it was just it was it was a nice way of. Um, I think overall they they've dropped enough hints now that okay, so she has the red. Um, Patsy has the red wig, which mm-hmm. had a red wig, like Hellcat. Uh, she likes costumes, i.e. Hellcat's costume, but she mm-hmm. shows the dual costume. She's learning crap and guys. She does an amazing kick-ass session on the pills. Yeah. Is there going to be side effects? I think we've led enough now that she's going to be some like a Daredevil-esque uh, kind of superhero, maybe without the superpowers. Right. Or, we have no confirmation at this point whether Jessica Jones is getting a season two. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident... Now, they haven't released any numbers on Jessica Jones. They never but, do, yeah. No, yeah. but I'm hoping... Now, we obviously, what, we were six weeks after Daredevil and they announced season two. Mm. I'm pretty sure they'll do a season two of uh, Jessica Jones, just in line of how how good it was. It's a different audience. Yeah. But I think it was. I still got the... Probably got the viewerships. It was still as spectacular as it was previously Daredevil. But I'd like to see that character expanded more now. Mm-hmm. So season two can be Jessica training Trish as Hellcat. Yeah. Uh, just a red wig reminded me how much of uh, Trish's story we kind of don't know. Yeah. We know she's Krav gang, She knows she's a radio host. And we know her she's mother. very rich. She's yeah. very rich. Yeah. But we don't know, okay, has she been going out vigilante yeah. style like Jessica or like there's, there's so much they could do with that character yeah um, I'm hoping they don't kill her off I'm hoping they just continue it on mm-hmm. but it was just a nice it was a nice nod to 
um, the the Hellcat, and I'm hoping it was more than a nod. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I'm, I'm, what what really interests me is that I did see some comments online when the show was released first, basically from fans of the character Hellcat. There are fans of the specific character who were disgusted by the fact that Trish Walker had blonde hair uh, and said they wouldn't watch the show. But what they obviously don't get with the Netflix shows is that they're all released at the same time. Those episodes were made and they had made an episode if they just watched the, watched the show for longer where it explains that she did have a red wig when she was younger. And obviously she wants to, what we what we do learn about the character across the course of the 10 episodes that we've seen so far is that she wants to distance herself constantly from Patsy. So clearly she'd dye her hair because you would. Yeah. You don't want to be seen in the street all the time as that red haired kid from the TV show if that's what you're known for and you want to distance yourself from it. So it's a great choice of the showrunner of this show to decide, okay, well, if you're, if you're showing flashbacks to the character, she's got the red hair, she's distanced herself, so she made herself blonde. It's a great choice, and I do feel sorry for some of the fans of the characters who not watch through and see this creation of the character. What we got in this show is not the origin of Jessica. We got the origin of Patsy Walker, yeah. a.k.a. Hellcat, which is cool. Yeah, really absolutely. Like Derek, uh, what's your final point? On that, my final point for the episode really is uh, just Jessica going genuinely crazy in this episode we haven't really seen that before we've seen her obsessive we've seen her try and take out Kilgrave but she's genuinely gone crazy by the beginning of this episode the impact of Hope's death on her has led her to essentially not sleep for two or three days at this point while she checks out every single morgue in the city and every single building in the city that might, might possibly be a morgue she sees a guy in a purple a purple jacket and tries to follow him down the street and gets knocked over by a, by a truck Jessica's completely gone off the rails here. Um, Simpson even points it out, saying when he's fighting against her that, yes, she got cracked ribs, but she's not up, up to the standard that she was before when they fought. Um, she is, she, on any other day, she'd be able to beat Simpson. But now she's, uh, the toll that's been taken on her by all this battling against Kilgrave and by all the people that have died around her and everything that's been going on is really, driving her kind of crazy at this stage. It was the first time in a while we've seen the Purple Haze take over the the view yeah. of the, the cinematic kind of exactly. scene. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Which is, I think we talked about in the last episode, where we hadn't seen the Purple in ages. Yeah. And maybe if when she was going crazy or hallucinating, they should always put a colour. Well, she hallucinated. Yeah. There's the colour. They were listening. Yeah, they were listening. Well yeah. done. <laughs> well Even done listening in the future, future recording the, at the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They time travel. <laughs> it's a thing in Disney. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting, as she gets tired, maybe she's less able to resist Kilgrave. Mm. I wonder if there is that element to it. Or her, maybe. Her superpower is unable to resist it. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's an, I thought it was an interesting little, uh, little touch in the episode. So is she going to be powerful enough to take on Kilgrave as we get into the last two episodes? She just needs a bit of sleep. Yeah, she'll be fine. A little snooze, yeah. but then she's got no apartment left. Oh, that's true. true. That's yeah, true. No, very true. <laughs> Maybe she can just grab some whiskey and fall asleep back in uh, back in um, Trisha's place. But then again, her local bar has now just closed down. Absolutely. Well, a fiery fireball. Which leads me to uh, my <laughs> final point, the mm-hmm. uh, flaming Sambuca that went horribly wrong. Um, is The return of Luke Cage. Is the return of Luke Cage. And the... Uh, non-return ever of Luke's bar. Yeah. Will this spur him on to be a hero for hire, maybe, because he's lost his business and he sets up another one? Um, who knows? It might be some kind of jump-off point for his own show, um, the Luke Cage Netflix show. So 
really interesting. Um, I love the fact that they're kind of they're reunited now. Quick question though, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's Kilgrave that's told him to do something to his bar, set the bottle of Sambuca alight, and chuck yes. it around the place, or um, he's planted a bomb or something like that. But it did come up as unknown. Has Kilgrave always been unknown in Jessica's address book? Because, you know, she was texting photos of her at one point. Like, I was wondering, is it Simpson? He has a thing for fire? Did he? I don't know. I I just wondered, do we really know it's definitely Kilgrave here? I mean, that's what I assumed, but... Just the whole unknown thing. It's an interesting idea, yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I, um, I wanted to put that out there, Yeah. Uh, to be honest. I, I, I'm guessing it is Kilgrave. I presume he's just using a different phone number so that Jessica can't track him, perhaps, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that it's Kilgrave that's told him to do that. And now that he's blown up the bar, he doesn't know that Luke would survive that because he doesn't know Luke's powers. I presume. So uh, he probably thinks that Luke's dead. He's now carried out. Again, as we spoke about before, he's carried out the instructions of Kilgrave. So now he's no longer under the control of Kilgrave, I presume. But he's going to be one pissed off, uh, pissed off paramount coming after Kilgrave, I would say, in episode 12. And maybe a team up with the big finale at some point. Um, Both of them taking him down. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't actually think about that. And I, I, I just assumed... Because it was the way capitalized boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out if Kilgrave have ever talked about her having a boyfriend before in any of the previous soliloquies or dialogues between them. I, I think so. I thought he had done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. That's what I think. You're right. I think he did discuss it, and then it was when he had the uh, boyfriend was either quotation marks or it was all capitalized mm-hmm. in the text. Yeah, and that's when she went, Luke. Man. I think the best part of that whole scene was not the explosion. It was him walking oh, out. Yes. Yeah. What a firework. Yeah. That was fab. Yeah. And then just kind of, now that he's blown up the bar, then we we can assume that because similar to Trish and the bullet in the head, yeah. now that the bar is gone, was uh, Luke, if he was under suggestion, it's over now. Yeah. But at least for another question, was Luke uh, ever killgraved, kind of, or was this Before. just a bomb? Was it just a bomb that went off? No, he looked out the window, and that's all we saw. He so looked he, out the window, closed the window behind him, and then the bar goes up. So I think he was. I think the instruction was watch out for for Jessica when she arrives. That's when you do it, uh, basically. Just kind of like the uh, the uh, the wonderful servants in in the household of Kilgrave and, and Jessica. They're told to wait for her to come home before they blink. <laughs> Don't blink. Uh, I think he's told to watch out the window until Jessica comes, and then blow up your bar. Yeah, it was just you inside. Because the the thing I was thinking about, and it's more and more, hopefully there's credence to it. So Jessica has accelerated healing. Mm-hmm. Could that be why her the powers of Kilgrave doesn't work? Because it's like a virus. You get a cold, you your body immune system fights it. Mm. She has accelerated immune system. But then wouldn't that, the fact that Luke has accelerated healing, mm-hmm. would that not be the same? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. No, no, but it hasn't been explained yet. No, so, exactly. So we, we may find that out in another episode. So don't, <laughs> Literally the start so of episode worry. 12. <laughs> so don't worry. You, you, we don't know it yet, but you, you could be on something. And I suppose one final thing is that obviously Kilgrave has used explosives beforehand with the neighbour. Um, so it is more than likely Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. Well. But she didn't deserve it. She deserved it. 
Noose part did it. <laughs> was a bit hard. <laughs> she was kind of mean. I didn't she, like it. She deserved it. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe a bit extreme justice. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe the, a slap on the wrist and the one to other not thing, get naughty ever again. <laughs> the one other thing, and I know we're definitely going to get this at the start of the next episode. Uh, one other thing I wonder if there's anybody else in the bar when the bar exploded. Ooh, like the old man. The old man. Yeah, or yeah. Some, of the, some of the old bar flies that were in there. We did see some some regulars in the bar. So you never know. Might, might have been. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping he got everybody out and then blew up the bar. But uh, Did we... Remember when they launched Jessica Jones, they had the kind of viral piece where it was Josie's turning to Luke's. Mm-hmm. Was that actually that bar turning... That bar? Or is this... Where he goes, takes over Josie's. Yeah, that's that's very very. I never saw that Luke sign in the windows yeah. or outside. It's definitely a hundred percent. This is a different bar than the bar that Foggy and Matt and Karen were drinking in in season one of Daredevil. It's definitely a different bar. We yeah, know, we know that it's a different location. It's a different bar. So this is possibly at the end of this at the end of this series, he goes over and take takes over Josie's oh, bar. Yeah, again. because that means remember, I remember there was that GIF where it was. I have to say GIF people. Oh, it, we all say, say GIF, but it's a GIF okay. in theory. Um, we're going to be correct about it. Um, <laughs> God help me. I'm someone will come back and go, you mean it's GIF? I'll say GIF. Yeah. So the GIF where, remember, it kind of phased between yeah. just Josie's to Luke's. We got no explanation of that and I completely yeah. forgot about it until that point right there. Until, anyway. the, until uh, Luke's bar just blew up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, I have some notes. Um, so basically, two. Um, is it a rock flutist or flautist? Uh, is it potato versus potato or tomato versus tomato? It is one of my favourite um, scenes in the episode. It was so good. The poor rock flautist who has to yeah. continue to play while while um, what Trish is, is fl- having, her, having her argument with Simpson outside. Just have the... The girl rocking out on the flute. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I loved it. And then it's like, just keep going. Just keep going. I still have to have this conversation. It's an absolutely hilarious moment yeah. of this episode. Really good. It needed a bit, a bit of levity. And, I thought and then the other one is obviously Trish calls Jessica gifted. Dun, dun, dun. She you, Chris. First. <laughs> she calls her a freak first. And then yeah. just goes, can you not call me something better than that? Gift. Uh, <laughs> they're constantly like annoying me with this gifted versus freaks versus powered. Oh. All I could think when I saw that portion of the episode was our <laughs> listeners who have watched all the episodes already must have been laughing their bums off yeah. at us having that conversation. We had bums deep, off. deep conversations about. Mm, I wonder, does gifted mean this or get like freak means this? No. No, no, it's just her being funny. Yep, even on the t- even on the show itself, they have the conversation, yep. which all of our listeners must have heard way before we were talking about it on our episode. Yeah. So thanks for putting up with us and having our conversation. It doesn't matter. The TV show has decided it's gifted, right? Yeah. We're wrong, yeah. clearly. Whatever our conversation was and what we decided didn't matter. The show had already decided for us it's gifted. It's gifted. So, or yeah. freak. One with the other. Gifted or freak. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So uh, great freak. Good catch. Jessica. Derek, what about you? Do you have any notes? The only note I had was just about the uh, the conversation between Dorothy and Patsy over the what they think is Jessica in a coma in the flashback, uh, where essentially Patsy says to Dorothy, um, well, you have to tell her about the fact that she's lost her entire family. And Dorothy goes, no, no, I'll just leave that to the doctors to do. And then you see the tears streaming down the face of Jessica as she's just learned in the 
most horrible way possible that all of her family are now dead. I thought that was really tough little moment for yeah. uh, for Jessica and kind of brushed by and, and just moved on. But what a horrible way to find out that you've just lost all of your family um, from these, well, from Dorothy, who's a really uncaring woman, as we find out throughout this episode, from Patsy, who's quite a petulant, spoiled child, really, in some senses, uh, at these, in these early moments anyway. Uh, we find out that she's not spoilt at all throughout the episode, but I uh, just thought that was a little, little moment to call out. I thought, thought it was beautifully played, played by these two kids uh, in this in the flashback. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My only note for this whole episode was the morgue at the end, mm-hmm. where Jessica's going through a list on a what looks like a palm pilot. Her phone was it looked like a palm pilot it almost. It was huge. Was it was huge, and it had like old school ink. I was like. What is she using? Anyway, um, she goes to the last morgue and it's not a morgue anymore. And yeah. she, I didn't understand what the hell that was about. Do you know what? Do you know what's just popping into my head? Is yeah. that Hammond Labs? It could be. I don't know why. Yeah, just yeah, yeah maybe because it, it was really pointed out when the guy walks out and she says, "Is is this a morgue or did it used to be?" And he just goes, "No," and yeah. walks off. Exactly. And um, it's just it's random. It was strange. yet another. And maybe just, that explains the purple because she's close to Kilgrave and really tired. Yeah. No, no, no. Again, it's just a... Dun, dun, dun. Right. Yeah. Once again, the listeners know when we don't. Uh, Only two more hours, people. Only right. two more hours. <laughs> but I think with that, Derek, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? <sighs> Tough one. Tough one here. Um, I think it was an uphill struggle for the episode itself, but I love what they accomplished in the episode. I love the fact that we got the... As I said, they avoided the origin story for Jessica and gave us the origin story of Trish, and of Hellcat in this episode, we get to see a really creepy version of Simpson uh, in this episode. And I think those scenes in themselves justify a, defi- a defend for this episode. I really did enjoy it. Wouldn't be up as a, a really high recommend for me. You certainly wouldn't uh, show it off as being the episode to watch the entire series because of. Um, but as a piece of the whole, I think it works. I think it works as an episode, definitely. Chris, uh, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? So if I had to, um, I'm, I'm going to say that I do defend this, but it was the the trough again. I think it was episode nine where I kind of said it was just another kind of filler episode. It had great points in it. Mm-hmm. I think you just, Derek explained it perfectly, is you would not jump someone in and start them because it's just too backstory filled. It's too uh, kind of interconnected. It would make no sense. Mm-hmm. And this is what it was. This episode was used to drive certain plots forward enough. Now, saying that the fight scene was brilliant, mm-hmm. and the as you said, the origin of Hellcat, in the, what we hope, was the origin of Hellcat taking the red pill and some kind of after effect. We Jessica's descent into madness or destruction, where her ribs are broken, blah, blah, blah. It was all fantastic, and I loved it. It's just, it was slow. It mm-hmm. was trudging. It's kind of that, it's that episode everyone goes, ah, oh, if you watch two or three of them, You'll, you'll get hooked yeah. in the end. So if we had a couple of episodes like this, but luckily they don't, they seem to be up, 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 down one, up, 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 down one, up, yeah. up, up. So I think this is, the, we're just now onto our final two up, up episodes. I hope so. Yes, fingers crossed, because if I get one more down and then up, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so John, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? I do, just. Um, I would give it 3.5 rock flautists out of five um and i might even say three rock flutists out of five um it just wow can you imagine five rock flautists at the same time 
Oh, that would be some mashup. Yeah, that would be rock out. Yeah. Um, it was... I think, for me, there were, I loved the fight between uh, the three of them, Simpson, Jessica, and uh, Trish, and the possible introduction there of Hellcat. Mm-hmm. Really good. I loved the flashbacks as well, and I loved how they really kind of gave the backstory of this, this sisterhood, but also how it added a weight to the scene in the ambulance. I thought that was really good. And I really liked how Simpson here descended into this ruthless, cold-blooded um, killer uh, from, from his um, Kazlov special ops days, uh, now that he's taken the red pills again. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, as you've kind of said, I think it was going on an uphill battle anyway because of the previous episode. Uh, and at parts... Um, it, it seemed a bit slow. Um, in particular, I mean, I know she was getting tired, and unless that features in later episodes, the whole her being tired, I didn't quite understand the point of that, other than that Trish said, you needed to get some rest. Uh, unless, as you say, that door has got some special significance that it used to be a morgue or Hammond Labs or whatever. That may feature in one of the episodes uh, still to come. That I didn't really get. I thought the idea that you would look in at the um, the morgues and just focus on the morgues um, to find Albert. Uh, is there any point finding a dead body when you're actually trying to find Kilgrave? Mm. I, I don't know. There were parts of it that didn't work for me. Parts of it that unfortunately just didn't match up to in a comparative way to the episode previously. Yeah. And I think that's the the biggest issue with this, is it? it's on the back of episode 10, which for me uh, was just wow and packs such a big punch. And that's the only reason. But I still defend it. I think, as Chris has said, it's one of those ones that you need this element as well because you need to service Simpson. Trish and Trish and Jessica's relationship and I think they did that really well and that's why I still give it 3.5 rock out flutists (laughs) flautists flautists out of 5 and with that we have a bit of feedback yep Uh, we received some feedback about episode 9 which we just spoke about weirdly Uh, got some feedback in from Shane Poole who says I just finished listening and I have to say I'm shocked it's my favourite episode of the season Bum, bum, uh, bum, now, I know two of us. Two of us recommended that episode. Uh, I yeah. think. And yes, we did, Chris. Yeah. Yes, we did. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but Explain one, yourself. Uh, thanks very much for the feedback, Shane. Firstly, uh, <laughs> what I do want to say, obviously, is everybody's open to the opinion about the episode. That's kind of the reason why we have three of us to make sure that we have a bit of a more balanced view than if we were just praising it constantly. So hopefully, it's coming across, and we're not. Uh, we I hope you didn't feel that we were uh, unfair on the episode at all, but. Uh, but I know, Chris, you had some strong feelings about the episode itself. Yeah, and I, I, I still... Do you the, defend your I previous still defend my previous non-defense, but I think it's a, not an unfortunate, but a, a slight side effect of how we watch and record in that I think a lot of other people, we watch in isolation. Yeah. Um, one after another. So where I, I think it's similar to this one, that was the... The slowdown uh, and some of the the the, the worse 
um, kind of styled of it where it went back up again last episode and then episode 11 it's kind of slowed down again and I think yeah I apologise for any shocking comments oh, I may have made <laughs> <laughs> to be fair uh, I still unfortunately have to say I still defend my own defence of the episode absolutely and I, I think it's why as well with episode 10 the last podcast we did I kind of said I was giving it a 4.9 and um, I would have quite liked to have given it a five, but I don't want to. I kind of don't want to say that anything's perfect, yeah. and at the same time, I kind of said I don't know what's to come. There might be another one that, given the two little issues I had with it, I would say it's a five, and so that's why I gave it a four point nine. But I think as well as a whole, we should look back and see, you know, as a whole. Yeah, what, and I think that's... what is the the whole series like, and maybe are there any changes to any of the particular episodes. Like, this is not particularly, for me, uh, episode 11, relatively speaking, isn't as good as 10. But I don't know. It may set up some really good stuff in episode uh, 12, which really powers episode 12. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what we do is at the end of episode 13 um, to episode 43 for our own of Defenders TV podcast, we can then maybe discuss was there any loose ends mm-hmm. or what? Because I think I will look back and go, actually, that, as you said, that episode set up this, this, and this. So it was fine overall, maybe just the style, blah, blah, blah. We'll have a few other aspects of what we liked or disliked. But again, it's the side effect is wrong. It's a byproduct of the way we watch in isolation. And I think it's probably the best way because when I look back at the series and I'll probably, once we finish episode 13, I'll go back and I'll rewatch the series in an almost binge-like way to see was there aspects that I missed, etc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, the long-form discussion that we have is uh, is the more important element of it rather than the ratings for me. I, I generally don't rate them. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think from our discussions, I think you can tell we do love the show overall, yes. really. Well, thanks very much for that, Jen. Really good of you to contact us. We also got some feedback from Ronaldo. Uh, he says, just finishing up on your podcast, episode seven. Again, massively entertaining episode. Thanks very much, Ronaldo. <laughs> massively entertaining. Thank you. Uh, he says, John Harrison raises a great point. Villain need to be fleshed out Woo-hoo! more to make them weightier. Yellow Jack is very much a trope. Loki has proved it can be done in a two-hour film, but the pinnacle still for me was how the Joker was written and portrayed in The Dark Knight in the time given just a two-hour film the Joker is just terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can be done in film, and it's been done multiple times in film, and the Joker being one of those um, were, you know, Heath Ledger, the script from Jonathan and Christopher Nolan, just the whole direction of it, just really, really good, solid. And and I think as well part of that comes with, um, you know, so much... Uh, history around the Joker. I definitely think, you know, in terms of film villains, he is one of those um, that is just magnificent. I think as well, I think uh, Ralph, uh, Ralph Fiennes, um, SS officer in Schindler's List, again, is another villain that in a film, again, there's a lot of baggage with Nazis. You can pretty much say they're pretty evil. Just a but, bit. Um, that is another example. Uh, where you know, films can do it, it, but it's it's getting the right script, 
it's it's getting the right sort of context within within the film of how they br- bring that across. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, Yellow Jacket didn't work in, in Ant Man as, yeah. as being a a, a non trope kind of bad guy. It yeah. it, it felt lazy. Um, and it, it it kind of distracted and was one of my few negative points about Ant Man, which as a film I actually really enjoyed, given mm-hmm. the amount of potential um, issues it could have had. What with Edgar Wright being withdrawn from from it um, as as the director, yeah. and obviously its long gestation period, um, you know, I really enjoyed that film. It, it gave me a little sneak and uh, and peek into. Um, Potentially uh, another plane of reality, which uh, with everything leading to uh, November 2016, Doctor Strange, of course, that was amazing. So definitely agree with with Ronaldo, and in particular the, the point he makes that, um, uh, right. that I was right. <laughs> Woo! Yay! It doesn't happen often. <laughs> it doesn't happen often. Well, thanks very much for that, Ronaldo. Thank you, Ronaldo. Uh, if anybody else wants to send their feedback in, you can send us your feedback to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. And remember, um, our podcast will be out again uh, in, a, in a week's time. Just search defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or on Android, you can search any other good podcast catcher, such as Player FM, Podcast Addict, um, or Beyond Pod. Um, and subscribe to us there, leave a review, and of course, we will pop into your ears whenever we release an episode. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Adios. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth Movie Show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.